Well, let's talk about where you live. Do you live in a city or in an apartment? Maybe uh, you only have a square metre uh, on a balcony for a bit of fresh air. Perhaps you, you sort of live outside the city in suburbia. It goes for miles and miles these days, doesn't it? You might have a bit more space, a garden, some nice neighbours, certainly a few McMansions further down the road. How do you feel about these massive homes, the ones on blocks that seem just a little bit too small for what's on there, where you can kind of jump from roof to roof? Maybe uh, they lack a bit of greenery, that sprawl out into more and more green centres certainly makes the cities go on forever and ever. And they obviously lack the amenities and infrastructure, certainly when they first go in. Here's an idea, and it's not a new one, but it's one that Australia seems to struggle with, that instead of swallowing up more and more land for larger, greyer developments, that we utilise the spaces we already have, those little bits of spaces in between our houses, like building a granny flat in the backyard or low-rise apartments, duplexes, or more housing on top of shops close to public transport, for example. Now, this is obviously a controversial idea. I can hear you fuming now if you live next to a new development. Destroying suburbia as we know it to save it is kind of the idea. Rather than going out, we sort of infill, if you like, on the space that we do have. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, your experience in the suburbs around where you are, 0418 is the text line. You can also message me via the ABC Listen app. This one says, hi, Andy, Australians must be really dumb. Uh, why? Oh, actually, that's on the nuclear subs. We'll come back to that later. This one says, we must reduce the demand for housing by having fewer babies. Uh, humans uh, are more than the earth can support. Step one of environmentalism is reduce reuse, repair, repurpose, recycle. That's from Carl in August. Uh, this one too. I live in the inner west of Sydney. I'm an active member of Bush Care. We have an ongoing battle trying to save land for biodiversity. This means we're constantly trying to get development uh, of new housing out of the area or at least to get them to consider the local biodiversity species that used to flourish locally like bandicoots and blue-tongued lizards. But I suppose the question is, where are these new Australians going to live? If not in your neck of the woods, 0418 is the text line. Tone Wheeler is the president of the Australian Architecture Association. Welcome to RN Drive. Thanks, Andy. You're of the firm belief that, that our suburbia, as we know it, is being ruined. Why is that? Um, I think it's already ruined in the sense that it's not sustainable because we have... Not, not enough people taking advantage of all the infrastructure that we've already built in the inner suburbs. And we've got too many people in the outer suburbs without good services and infrastructure. So there's a kind of imbalance that's going on there. And what the thrust of it, as you rightly point out, is to increase the size of the city by pushing further and further out. So there's this whole thing about supply it's the go-to. We need more houses. We need more houses. In fact, we don't. We have about 11 million dwellings in Australia and only 9.8 million households. So there's a, there's a kind of million houses out there that are not being used because they have holiday houses or short-term letting. But setting that aside, because we're not going to change that, uh, even though um, Premier McGowan is, is looking to try and do something about that, we we do need more houses and we need houses that are not like what we have. We have an oversupply of family homes. Most of them are 
built since the 1960s. They were mostly project homes. They're mostly um, they're open plan. They're quite ill-suited to multi-generational living or to households that are not the traditional family with young children. And so there were lots of pockets all through older suburbs. You know, there's lots of places where things could be further developed. Quite often shop-top housing along on transport routes where trams and trains and buses run called transport-oriented design. That's a real possibility. Rob Adams, this fantastic planner in Melbourne, has worked out that you'd only need 7.5% of the entire area of Melbourne if you were to do transport-oriented design to double the population that's in Melbourne. So that's, now that's a stunning figure. That yeah, wow. You just need to carefully select where you go to put these extra houses. And, of course, that would be a great place to live if you're single or your couples or your share house because you're right above all the services that you want. You know, it could be the, the food, doctors, dentists, education, whatever it is, you're, you're right beside it. I'm not suggesting for a moment that we invade the existing suburbs, the leafy suburbs, but I am thinking that every one of those houses could actually have more people living in it. Um, they're often quite wasteful. And too often, Tone, this discussion gets sort of polarised between NIMBYs that don't want their suburb or living situation to change or uh, property developers who are greedy. So is there a bit of a shade of grey, a bit of a nuance in the middle here that you're arguing that in order to stop urban sprawl, which is going to have to reach a limit sooner or later, that we consciously infill our our kind of development, if you like, before it's too late. Yeah, I think there's a real irony in all of this. Not only are there NIMBYs, you know, they're not in my backyard, but we actually have what we call notes now, which is not over there either. <laughs> <laughs> and it leads to what some people call myself cave dwellers, citizens against virtually everything. But the weird thing about that is 65% of Australians, households, own or are purchasing their own home and they are therefore in the property market and it's referred to as such. You look at the weekend papers, everything's about the property market, not homes, and therefore they are developers. So there's this weird thing where the number one enemy in Australia is property developers and yet two-thirds of us are property developers. So there's this change in mindset that you need to work out how you could be a better property developer could you, for instance, resubdivide the family home so that you could have three generations living there or you could take somebody in as a means of defraying the rising costs of the mortgage? Could you have somebody who's a, a key worker or a student or somebody um, in a small flat? It doesn't have to be a separate granny flat. So there are different ways in which you could redevelop our houses because by and large, they're not very good design. That's the key bottom line is that even the lovely Federation houses are not actually terribly well built, really, and they're not very useful for um, family living, particularly this, as I say, multi-generational family, which has become a big thing. And then all the stuff that was built in the 1930s and particularly in the 60s and 70s, the 
the brick venereal disease that we have all through our <laughs> suburbs. Well, Tyne, I've got to say, but the, the, bad. All, those, all those houses in my area, which is an older suburb, you know, quarter acre block, that sort of thing, they're all being like, I, I mean, I, I walk every morning and I walk around our suburb and every 10th house is being flattened to make a, a bigger house. And that's fine because obviously property is, well, uh, construction is cheap compared to land um, price. But that's not to say that there'll be more people living in it. We are just wanting bigger houses. You know what I mean? We, we, we are world champions at it, 250 square metres on average. That's huge as a, as a house by world standards. And as you say, we've got less and less people living in it. We used to have about, on average, five people in a house um, not long after the Second World War all the way through to the 60s. Now it's about 2.5. So... We've got these bigger and bigger, bigger houses with less and less people in them. Now, I'm saying that there needs to be some way, both carrot and stick, to get people to reconsider each and every individual house and see that it couldn't be better utilised, be more sustainable. I'm not for a moment suggesting that you knock down houses and replace them with things that are bigger but better. Maybe it's the same footprint. You keep the trees, you keep the gardens but you could build a duplex on the same block of land that you have a single house on now. We've done projects which we call six-packs, where a very small house on a very big block of land can be replaced by six apartments. And they're small, admittedly. The car parking's underground, so you don't get this dreadful big garage door facing the street. And you get people co-living, they share some of the landscape around it. And the council rules require you to actually have a better garden for that kind of development than most people have left to their own devices with a single house. I've got to get to some of these texts, Tone. Oh, you, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I've got to, I've got to. This one here, if only Australians spent less money on media rooms and butler's pantries and more money on design, i.e. appoint an architect, so this is going to be, this is, this is probably from you, uh, we'd have smarter <laughs> and more livable, more efficient and better homes that stood the test of time. This one too, the trouble is in recent decades, home ownership has become a form of wealth creation rather than a source of housing. Maybe we need to limit the number of homes any individual can own. This kind of brings me to less of the architectural solutions that you've put forward, more of the kind of policy settings. I mean, negative gearing, surely we have to have a conversation about that when it comes to our current housing situation. Andy, can I talk to you about the, the law of thirds? One third of Australians own their house outright, completely paid off, and they are the people who are buying a second, third, fourth and fifth house. And of that one-third of people, two-thirds of those, another 20% of Australians, own two or more houses. One-third of Australians are buying a house through the bank. It made our banks the most profitable. It made our banks also the most indebted to mortgages, but that is the way we've gone, and they're buying a house, and that's where most politicians spend their time talking about you know, housing affordability for that people to buy their house. Then one-third of people are renting. And who are they renting from? They're renting from the top third who own their own house. Now, they find, the top third, um, find that it's more profitable to put the house onto uh, an Airbnb-type, you know, stays or one of those kind of websites, or to do, you know, holiday letting generally. And therefore, there's a less and less houses, and we haven't built any public housing. 
not for 25 years. So effectively, we've lost what was 5% of public housing. 5% of housing was available for public rental. It's now down to about less than 3%. So we're not looking after that one third of renters. Each one of those thirds needs a different policy. The top third, you should get rid of negative gearing and, and, and capital gains tax benefits immediately. There's, there's no doubt about that, but there isn't the political will. For the people purchasing their own home, it would be far better if you had a greater range of homes that you could buy. For instance, why not be able to buy a 35-square-metre apartment? Why not be able to buy, if you're a single or a couple, and it's the first house? You can't. Mm. The banks won't lend to you. The, the councils won't permit it to be built, and yet that's the bulk of what housing is in the big cities we go overseas to have a look at. And then for the renters, we just need more social housing and we need more rental housing. We need the government to get involved. So there's the problem. Yeah. There's at least three, possibly four or more policy changes that you need. Um, we've, we've got a, an election happening in New South Wales at the moment. None of the parties are talking sensibly about addressing any of those, those one-third aspects. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, we'll get some more text messages Thanks, shortly. Sam. It's pretty intractable, especially when it comes to uh, politics and uh, wealth. <laughs> my house and uh, my castle, that sort of thing. Tone Wheeler is the president of the Australian Architecture Association. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks, Andy. Pleasure.